Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good evening, I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, today we want to zoom in closer to home to look at the inflation situation in ASEAN and also in Singapore. Earlier, we saw Indonesia's headline inflation for June spiking to a five-year high of 4.4% on year, reaching Bank Indonesia's 4% target upper bound. We also saw central banks around the region working to quell inflationary pressures. At home, the Monetary Authority of Singapore announced just hours ago that it would recenter the midpoint of the Singapore dollar nominal effective exchange rate or SNEA policy band in a surprise off-cycle move after raising its full-year core inflation forecast by 0.5% to between 3 and 4%. So we want to have a detailed overview with Swan Tikkin. He's the head of research at UOB. Hi, Mr. Swan. Thanks for joining us on the line. Thank you, Tintian, for having me here. Hi, Mr. Swan. Maybe let's start from home. We saw the MAS mm-hmm. recentering the midpoint of the SNEA or the Singapore dollar nominal effective exchange rate after upping its core inflation forecast. Mm-hmm. So. How effective is this going to be in quelling imported inflation? Because we know back in April, we saw them activating two of those levers, adjusting the midpoint and also the slope of the sneer. So right now, how effective is this move going to be? Right, Tintian, this MES policy lever is basically on exchange rate. So it's important that uh, in view of these high inflationary uh, pressures, that the MES is uh, doing um, a bit more tightening on the exchange rate. So uh, in terms of effectiveness, now, uh, because most of uh, uh, Singapore's uh, goods are Im- imported, right, largely imported, so it's important that we have a strong exchange rate to counter uh, higher prices from abroad. Right? So that's uh, one part of the, um, when we talk about effectiveness, which is to ensure that the Sing- uh, Singapore dollar is strong enough to withstand the price pressures or to at least offset the price pressures. Now, the other thing is that uh, effectiveness will also depend on uh, on the price prices themselves. So, for example, you have a Ukraine-Russia uh, conflict that is going on, causing uh, oil prices to go up uh, significantly and stay there. And also, you have uh, food prices have uh, gone up worldwide, right? Because of uh, high energy prices, because of uh, shortage of uh, supplies. Uh, coming out from Ukraine and coming out from Russia, as well as uh, um, you have uh, these um, fertilizers, right? Important ingredient for the for the agricultural sector. Also, I think the output or the yeah. supply has been limited by these uh, by these uh, the, by the conflict in um, Ukraine and Russia. So as a result, you will see uh, prices have gone up significantly and also um, have, have gone up significantly worldwide. Right? So MES has uh, tightened in response to these higher prices. So that will help us uh, off- offset some of these uh, price effects. Right? But again, I think this is only one side of the equation for the MES mm. policy. So the other side is actually the prices have gone up mm. quite uh, materially, quite significantly. So we can only offset uh, some of it. So as a result, what we are seeing is that, of course, uh, Singapore, like everywhere else, the inflationary pressures continue to be there. You see our CPI price, uh, CPI, the consumer price index, uh, going up, and also you see the, um, you know, day to day, you know, prices go up to the market. The prices uh, have gone up, but the situation could be worse. Had uh, MES not done anything, or had our our Sing dollar exchange rate uh, did not uh, strengthen or even weaken materially, uh, mm-hmm. so. 
that being said, going forward, how do we expect mm. the Monetary Authority of Singapore, the MAS, to move in terms of its monetary policy, maybe come October, mm. a few months later? Mm-hmm. What are you expecting on that end? Right. Uh, so uh, what happens is that uh, because of the uh, dynamic environment, right, the price changes are quite significant and uh, we don't know actually how these uh, prices uh, continue uh, to run. Uh, for example, recently, we in the past few days, in just days ago, we saw uh, oil prices actually coming off. Right. So, so the environment is very uh, dynamic. So as long as uh, prices do not uh, spike up on the uh, on a on to, on a some kind of straight line, then we uh we are okay, right? You you know we worried we we should be worried when prices go up uh nonstop the sort of situation. If prices can are able to stabilize, so that would be uh, good enough for us. And of course, the best thing is for prices to to come down, right? For prices to come down. For example, your crude prices or your uh, food prices, agricultural prices, your wheat and all those things. So uh so when it comes to October. So we should ex- uh, we should see um, what uh, MES is going to do. Of course, everyone is uh, watching uh, closely. So mm-hmm. if the situation continues, for example, what we have today, prices, inflation continue, well, then we should not be surprised that MES will take another step again at uh, uh, tightening. But if prices were to stabilize, for example, mm-hmm. if inflation were to stabilize in the in between these few months, then the MES MES might not have to do anything uh, aggressive. Mm, certainly. But in the meantime, though, we see that, of course, recentering the midpoint of the sneer will make the Singapore mm-hmm. dollar stronger, reducing mm-hmm. the impact of imported inflation. But that also has an impact on our exports, isn't it? Mm-hmm. GDP growth in Singapore growing by 4.8% on yen Q2 mm-hmm. flat on a quarterly basis. So with mm-hmm. that in mind, and also the tightening in monetary policy, is this a cause for concern about Singapore's growth going forward? Right. Uh, this, um, of course, uh, the, uh, in terms of monetary policy tightening, not just in Singapore, everywhere else, uh, for example, the US, uh, there's a risk that this uh, tightening might be too much and then it will start to hurt economic activity, start to hurt demand uh, very significantly and that cause a slowdown. But in Singapore's case, of course, uh, this uh, is through exchange rate. Uh, so a strong exchange rate will uh, have a negative effect on, uh, for example, exports. But in Singapore case is that um, most of our products are not like other countries where a price is a very important uh, determinant, right? It's one of the uh, one of the determinants, right? Because you need to be price competitive, but also I think Singapore products are generally high, higher value add, right? Uh, so the price consideration is uh, lower on the scale compared to, let's say, if you are manufacturing or you are selling uh, commodity uh, products that everybody else is doing. So for Singapore case, so the exchange rate effect would be less of a concern compared to a place like, let's say, Vietnam, right, where uh, labor uh, labor costs are low and the products that they uh, produce are generally lower uh, value, and so they need to be uh, price competitive. Uh, even more so. So for in Singapore's case, so exchange rate uh, will, will be um, less of a concern. So for those companies, uh, more important, of course, you need to produce uh, goods or services even that are of uh, higher value add rather than, you know, uh, depending on just a price competition alone. So there will be some if- effect on the um, export uh, competitiveness for Singapore, but I will say that the effect will not be as mm. uh, significant compared to some other uh, countries. 
Hmm. Speaking of some other countries, the ASEAN region, Bank Indonesia decided to withhold its policy rate at 3.5% at the June meeting. But increasingly, we are seeing signs that there could be a rate hike in Q3, especially mm-hmm. after soaring inflation. What are your expectations and what is the likely impact mm. on full-year growth in Indonesia? Right. Uh, for for example, you know, neighbour Indonesia, uh, we are expecting the uh, Bank Indonesia, the central bank, to hike interest rates sometime in uh, third quarter because Indonesia inflation rate is also pushing up against the central bank's uh, target. Right, uh, the top range is four uh, percent, so the actual inflation rate is actually pushing against that ceiling. So for uh, Indonesia and other central banks in the region and also around the world, uh, inflation is uh, right now a concern. So one of the things that they are doing, uh, Indonesia will be doing, uh, is likely to high interest rate in the third quarter and also subsequently fourth quarter as well. But uh, the thing is, we should take note uh, whether there should there will be any impact on growth. Uh, one thing is um, uh, to take note of how aggressive the central bank is. For example, uh, so far the uh, US uh, uh, Federal Reserve has already high interest rate uh, quite aggressively by 150 basis points, 1.5%, just first half of this year. So for Indonesia, we don't think that uh, the central bank or even other central banks around the region are going to be at the same pace as uh, the US uh, Federal Reserve. So in terms of the uh, amount of uh, rate increases, it will be about 100 basis points for Indonesia. Malaysia is about 75 basis points or so. So not as aggressive. So as a result, the impact on growth will be not as uh, significant. So we do expect uh, these uh, Indonesia, Malaysia and other countries to grow, to expand in a, in a, in a moderate fashion uh, for this year. Mm, certainly. And I also want to turn our attention to look at Vietnam because earlier quite a few mm. analysts we spoke to on the show point to Vietnam as an area of growth, especially with China's zero COVID policy and supply chain disruptions. But recently we are seeing large banks in the country raising their interest rates and borrowing costs. Mm-hmm. To what extent mm. will this dampen the, the attractiveness of Vietnam? Mm. Okay, for Vietnam itself, I think Vietnam is um, uh, attracting foreign uh, interest, foreign investors' um, uh, interest uh, because of its uh, uh, manufacturing capability. You have a large population in Vietnam, 100 million or so of a population, and it's very young. I think more than half the people are below 35 years old, so very young uh, population. So in terms of uh, uh, manufacturing uh, uh, effectiveness or competitiveness. So Vietnam is very competitive. So we have uh, this um, uh, China having a zero COVID pol- policy. So some of these uh, companies will be, you know, looking at the situation and say that oh, we should uh, diversify our supply chain or we should ensure that our operations uh, diversify enough that you know uh, we are not uh, limited to just uh, in China. So Vietnam becomes an alternative to many uh, manufacturers. So uh, this attractiveness, I think, to the to to the extent of how how that is going to be affected by interest rates in Vietnam itself. So at this point, I think is uh, quite uh, limited because most of these foreign investors they come in uh, with their own uh, investments or they have their borrowing that is already arranged outside uh, Vietnam. So this uh, 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 increase in uh, domestic interest rates in Vietnam. Probably have uh, less impact on these uh, foreign investors or the attractiveness to foreign uh, investors. Okay, because they come in with their own capital or their own uh, mm-hmm. arrange their own uh, borrowing into the country. So the more important thing 
of course, is the competitiveness of the Vietnam uh, labor market and also manufacturer, uh, manufacturing sector itself, rather than just the uh, domestic uh, interest rates. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Swan Tekin, the head of research at UOB. Mr. Swan, which are the major ASEAN economies we should be looking at? Which are the sectors hmm. we should be focusing on? So if you, uh, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, but if you look at just a pure um, uh, uh, growth numbers, right? Pure growth numbers, I think um, Thai, uh, Vietnam. Vietnam will be the one that will be uh, doing quite well this year. For example, we are looking about uh, 7% growth uh, for Thai, uh, Vietnam this year after the very strong uh, second quarter number, much stronger than everybody was uh, expecting. So for Vietnam, in terms of growth number, that will be the 7% uh, number, uh, far higher than the next highest, which is uh, Philippines, 6.5%. And then you have uh, Malaysia, 5.5% uh, or so. So most of these ASEAN economies are actually doing uh, quite well, except for Thailand maybe a bit weak, but it's still, nonetheless, it's still on an expanding uh, trajectory, right? The momentum is still expanding momentum. So for this part of the world, it is a, it is a good place uh, to be, you know, for businesses and for, for investors to see a uh, uh, growing economy. Uh, in terms of uh, sectors, I think if we are riding on this uh, upcycle, so some of these, um, uh, like for example, the consumer sector with um, uh, borders being open across uh, all the Southeast Asia, right? So consumer sector will be uh, the one, the services and the tourism related sectors will be on, on the rise, right? So these are uh, the general uh, direction. But of course, the other part we should not ignore is that as long as external demand can hold up, uh, as long as the external demand can hold up over the next six months, for example, I think the manufacturing sector, the trade-related uh, businesses, I think should continue to enjoy uh, this um, uh, this uh, expansion. Mm. What is your growth expectation for ASEAN region going forward, maybe this year and next year amid all the macroeconomic volatilities? Yeah, amidst all this uh, macroeconomic volatility, uncertainty, we have the Ukraine-Russia um, conflict and all that. So I think for ASEAN itself, I think we still should be positive. We should be looking at uh, very positive uh, uh, outlook for this year, 2022, and for next year. For example, our growth rate for uh, ASEAN this year is about 5% or so. And next year, overall, should be around the same uh, same number, 4.8%, 4.9% for next year. So ongo uh, still an ongoing expansion. One important uh, reason, one important reason is that some of these ASEAN countries, they are commodities exporters. Right? For example, Indonesia, you have the palm oil, Malaysia palm oil, and also rubber and all those uh, all those uh, commodities products that are still hot in demand. So the prices uh, rise, will, uh, rising prices will benefit uh, these countries. Then the other important reason is that uh, ASEAN, all these countries they put together, they're important, also a key uh, food producers. For example, in Thailand is rice and Vietnam is rice and we have a uh, vegetable, you know, poultry and all those things. So we are able to support ourselves in this uh, volatile uh, environment. So as a result, we should see a steady expansion for this, for this region this year and next year as well. Mm. Thank you very much, Mr. Swan. Always a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. That was Swan Tekin. He's the head of research at UOB. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.
Available on Google Play or the App Store.